Breakthrough News. It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is the Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. Yes, that's right. And we are back with you here on the 2nd of March, 2021, Tuesday here. Very happy to be with you as we always are on this Tuesday, like every Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be talking here today about a number of points uh, first, well, not first, but five years on here now from the murder of Berta Caceres, still looking for justice in that case down in Honduras. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about gas companies in Texas. Get this, blocking clean energy. Surprise, surprise. But before we get to either of those two critically important stories, we want to start by talking about the number of incarcerated people who have died and been affected by COVID-19. 19. Well, it may not surprise you at all, certainly not if you are a regular follower slash listener of us here at Breakthrough News, that prisons are major sites of COVID infections and deaths, and by their very nature, have often become massive super spreader sites. Across the nation, there have been numerous reports about the outrageous lack of PPE, clean water, hand sanitizer, and just a total lack of social distancing in jails and prisons. One study of the effect of all this noted that their team, quote, found a basic reproduction number of 8.44 in a large jail system, meaning that, on average, each person with COVID-19 would infect eight other people. It's considerably more than estimated for the general population, end quote. And so what has the toll of all of this been? The average person likely to infect eight other people. Well, the one thing we have to say about this is we don't know for sure. There's no fully comprehensive database. But the Marshall Project has been tracking cases since last March and has put together some reasonably comprehensive findings, including at least 383,754 people in prison had tested positive for the illness as of February 23rd. So almost 384,000 people tested positive for COVID in prisons as of last Thursday, I believe that was, or last Tuesday. The federal prison system has the most overall cases with just over 49,000 in the federal prison system there. And that number is pretty close to the second highest number of cases in California, also around 49,000 just over. They're separated by a couple hundred cases. So the federal prison system, California prison system, about 49,000 cases of COVID overall. Texas comes in third with 44,000 cases, at least, again, we are still at least 44,000 cases. And Michigan comes in fourth with just over 25,000, at least. At least 2,446 incarcerated people have died of COVID-19. 2,446. The federal government has the highest overall number of deaths. That's 236, at least. But when you look at the number of deaths per 10,000 prisoners, however, Nevada 
and New Mexico shoot right up to the top of the list with 43 deaths per 10,000 prisoners. That's well in excess of anywhere else. The federal number, by the way, there is 14. So 43 deaths per 10,000 prisoners divided New Mexico, 14 in the federal prison system, which has the highest overall number of deaths, 236. So it's clear sign that latter stat I gave you too, by the way, that Nevada and New Mexico are just uniquely bad in both preventing the spread of COVID-19 and treating those who get it. So it's bad everywhere, but those two states seem to be doing a truly shambolic job. Prisoners, of course, do not leave. The staff, however, does leave. And roughly 108,000 prison staff have tested positive for COVID, which raises the other key issue here. If prisons are allowed to become super spreader sites, how many cases and deaths are the result of staff and contractors spreading it once they leave? Well, there are many reasons to reduce the number of people in prison in the United States. But clearly, during a pandemic, public health was a crucial one. But instead, the U.S. government at the state, local, and federal level did essentially nothing, released very few people, in some cases, actually packed more people into jails, all while failing to provide adequate COVID-19 protections. Just another example of how little the ruling elites in this country cared or continue to care about taking serious steps to mitigate the impact of this deadly pandemic. Since the mass disaster in Texas, where for-profit power company failures meant that millions of people lost power, water, and dozens died. You, like me, may be cursing these same companies for their callousness and desire to put people over profit no matter the human cost. And you would, in fact, be right, like I am, to do so. But it's actually worse than you think. Well, I don't know. That was pretty bad, what happened there in Texas. So maybe it's not worse than you think, but it's still very, very bad. Now, these same companies, surprise, surprise, is a new investigation from the Guardian newspaper. The Texas Observer and the San Antonio Report points out these same companies have been doing everything possible to limit substantive action on climate change. Now, that, of course, is critical because it's the source of the increase in extreme weather events that are increasingly threatening our power and our lives. Certainly people in Texas, but quite frankly, the entire country and the entire world. So for the past few years, the city of Austin, Texas, was trying to develop a plan to move towards clean energy, you know, i.e. saving the planet, saving humanity. Their initial plan was to virtually eliminate gas use in new buildings by 2030 and existing ones by 2040. Homes and businesses would have to run on electricity and stop using gas for heat, hot water, and stoves. And this, of course, is big as it, you know, deals with affecting climate change, which again is the root cause of the collapse of these power systems, this extreme weather, which is happening more frequently because of climate change. But it's actually bigger than just sort of climate in the broad sense, the weather as you think about it. It's also climate in the sense of what you have to live with and the effects on your body. As the reporting by The Guardian notes, quote, burning gas indoors exposes people to dangerous pollutants that are linked with heart attacks, respiratory diseases, and asthma. One study found that children in homes with gas stoves were 42% more likely to have asthma than children in homes with electric stoves. 42% more likely to have asthma if you have a gas stove in your child. The gas company, as you might expect there in Austin, was just not feeling this plan and started their lobbying process, meeting with various city officials. They even had people from their corporate headquarters, which is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, packing into public meetings, trying to impact the issue. Now, 
What has the result of all that been? Well, you could probably guess. The Guardian lays it out here. Quote, the moves have so far proven a success for Texas gas. The most recently published draft of the climate plan gives the company much more time to sell gas to existing customers and allows it to offset climate emissions instead of eliminating them. They note more specifically that, quote, the climate plan originally called for completely eliminating natural gas use in all buildings by 2040. A few months after the gas company's lobbying efforts, the city moved the goalpost. Only 25% of existing buildings would need to transition off gas by 2030. In San Antonio, the city-owned utility, you really got to ask what's going on here. It's allegedly publicly owned, but shows you what uh, it means when publicly owned means it's under control of the existing political class. But nevertheless, in San Antonio, the city-owned utility spent $650,000 of its own money in order to develop a plan that was separate from a plan being developed by the city itself around climate mitigation issues. So their plan, they called it the flexible plan, was designed to basically be an instrument to push back on a plan that was being developed by the city of San Antonio by, you know, actual experts in climate change, not just random corporate consultants. Anyway, that flexible plan, among other things, promoted burning coal into the 2060s. Not exactly a clean energy plan. However, since they had this alternate plan and they did a lot of lobbying around it, they actually got results in the city of San Antonio, which just to remind you again, was constructing its own plan with experts, not corporate consultants. But nevertheless, city officials listened to this utility and they passed a plan that replaced all the specific targets they had with basically just vague platitudes. So they have a big number about wanting to reduce emissions by sometime in the future, but they eliminated all the actual benchmarks by which you could try to measure and make that happen. What this means above all else, the status quo of climate destruction is set to continue as state and local officials fail to take real action. I should add, by the way, the state legislature in Texas trying to pass a bill to make it illegal to not have gas hookups in homes. Anyway, uh, they're failing to take real action. Climate destruction continuing. As the reporting itself points out, quote, in Texas, the number of days that are 100 degrees Fahrenheit or hotter has more than doubled over the past 40 years. Double the number of 100 degree plus days over the past 40 years in Texas. And that same reporting notes that it could double again by 2036. And that comes from a Texas state climatologist report there. Extreme rainfall and urban flooding are also increasing there in Texas. Hurricanes are getting more intense and the Gulf of Mexico is rising and droughts and wildfires are becoming more severe, end quote. So that's the upshot of all of this. All of the things that we need to sustain life on the planet are continually dwindling and these gas companies are pushing it further and further to the brink. And what we also know about these companies is that they're going to do absolutely nothing to seriously prepare for the extreme weather events that they are increasingly causing. So ultimately, what's in store in the state of Texas and maybe more places than that? Well, it seems like it's going to be more blackouts, more dirty water, and ultimately, many more deaths. <laughs> Five years have passed since the brutal murder of Berta Cáceres, a social leader in Honduras who was at the forefront of a broader movement to refound the country, so to speak, in the interest of justice and dignity and environmental sustainability and a development path that spoke to the needs of people above all, not the elites who rule Honduras currently and are deeply tied to Western multinationals and governments that has turned the country into a human rights and environmental disaster. Cáceres a co-founder and leader of the Civic Council of Popular and Indigenous Organizations of Honduras, also known as COPIN, 
was murdered again five years ago for her active role in resistance to a hydroelectric product being built by a company that goes by the acronym of DESA. That the, this hydroelectric project, it maybe goes without saying, was being heavily opposed by local communities and Berta Caceres was leading that fight. Her death came after a long string of threats, intimidation, and acts of violence against her uh, for this activism and this organizing that she was helping to lead. After the global outcry around her death, and it was global because Caceres had become well-known around the world for her very strong stances on social rights and protecting the environment. So after the global outcry, the government locked up seven people. They were the hitmen who pulled the trigger, but clearly they did this as part of an effort to avoid revealing how high up the orders to kill Caceres undoubtedly went. There's already evidence that points to members of a powerful family that held positions on the board of this company, DESA, held a very large number of shares uh, in this company, DESA. So it seems that, yes, the seven people who actually pulled the trigger are there, but who paid them the money? Who came up with the idea? Who ordered this assassination? That is not 100% known. And those are the facts that are still out there. And many of these people seem to be very significant, including a guy named David Castillo. Now, he's the former head of DESA. He was actually caught trying to flee the country. He'd bought a million dollar house in the United States uh, and, and was trying to flee and, and looks like, you know, escape any sort of accountability. He's going to go on trial again, April 6th of this year. It's going to be the first real look into how many of these high level company officials, among others, I mean, who knows the high level company officials, government officials, it, it could go very, very high up to the top here. How many of those people were involved in this assassination plot and exactly how this could be our first look again into that. But nevertheless, still a lot of loose threads around who was behind this assassination plot, but it is 100% clear that it came directly from these oligarchic forces that hated the type of politics that Berta Caceres was continuing to push forward there very strongly in that country. Copine is calling on everyone during this five-year anniversary, or I guess everyone who is progressive and thinks that fighting for the rights of human beings and the planet is important to raise their voices yet again, demanding true justice for Berta Caceres. There's a social media campaign going on all day today using several hashtags, including Justicia para Berta, among others. They're also going to have an international concert later this evening. Uh, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, other people are going to be featured at that concert. So a lot of actions happening today on the fifth anniversary to lift up the voice of Berta Caceres, to lift up her legacy and the ongoing fight in Honduras. And the pressure internationally really is critical particularly from the United States, which is a staunch defender of the government of Honduras that presides over a country where 66% of people live in poverty, 20% in extreme poverty, where the president and other elites are making a lot of their money off of drug trafficking. Berta Caceres represented a struggle for a totally different reality for Hondurans. That's why they sought to murder her and did murder her. Her spirit, legacy, and struggle, however, cannot be murdered. If those of us who are committed to the same causes don't give up, and certainly in Honduras, they're not giving up, then these then her legacy can continue to be uplifted. And at least potentially, some of the high-level officials that respond, are responsible for her murder can actually be brought to some form of justice. So if you have a chance, take some time today, take to social media, and make your voice, make your voice heard if you too will not be silenced. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday. 
5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah. 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 Yeah.